a British TV podcast with Chrissy and Ryan. News, reviews, what's on TV this week, DVD releases, and special features all about British TV. Hello and welcome to show number 11 of the British TV podcast. We're taking it to 11. Yes. <laughs> Oorah. Uh, I'm Ryan in Seattle. And Chrissy in Seattle. Oh, this week's episode, we have news, what's on British TV this week, what's running in the United States, DVD releases, a review of Lark Rise to Candleford, and a feature on comedian Harry Enfield. What have you been up to lately? Working. The whole slog towards Christmas break, which is great. Booked a trip to Las Vegas. That's right. You're going to Vegas. I'm going to Vegas on my birthday. Okay. So that's about... What I've got to look forward to after some hand surgery, so from the ridiculous to the sublime. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to some TV shows, which we'll be talking about here. Absolutely. News. The popularity of The X Factor and I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here helped ITV1 to bumper ratings last month as BBC1, BBC2, and Channel 4 and 5 posted their lowest November audience shares for years. Oh, no. Well, those reality shows are really popular. So Simon Cowell runs our universe. <laughs> yeah, high-rated ITV1 shows in November included The X Factor, which has been split for the first time over Saturday and Sunday nights and ended last weekend. And I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. But a BBC spokesman said, quote, BBC One and BBC Two have a rich and varied month with, in November, which saw great successes with Doctor Who, Gavin and Stacey, Jimmy's Food Factory, Top Gear, Andrew Marr's History of Modern Britain, and Miranda, to name but a few ratings hits. So, trying to put a little gloss on that. Of course, the BBC does not show commercials, and in theory, does not have to worry about the whims of ratings, but because they make their money from the mandatory TV license fee. They have to sort of justify their money by at least being competitive with ITV. So people do look at the numbers, despite what the BBC keeps saying. The British Comedy Awards were last weekend and Outnumbered picked up a number of awards. You've seen that, haven't you? No, I haven't seen that yet. Really? It's about two middle-class parents One's uh, Hugh Dennis, right? Yes, yeah. and Claire Skinner, and their children, and the kids just say really amazing, heart dropping things. I actually said in my review that I, I thought the show might operate as birth control because my worst fear would be to have kids that were smarter than you are and would ask you the kind of questions that would just stop you in your tracks, and you're like. I have no response to this, and your 10-year-old is looking at you waiting for something. And that's basically the premise of Outnumbered. They give these kids really great things to say, and they just, it's all filmed around the kids. You know, if they do one good take, that's the take they use. Hmm. So anyway, it got um, awarded with uh, some British comedy awards. The best comedy entertainment personality was Harry Hill, as well as his TV show, which was best comedy entertainment program, Harry Hill's TV Burp. Best television comedy actor was Simon Bird from The Inbetweeners, which is coming soon to BBC America. Best television comedy actress, Catherine Parkinson for The IT Crowd. She's also been in Katie Brand's Big Ass Show. Well, she's also in Dark Martin. Yes. Best new British television comedy is Psychoville, which was on BBC Two. I've not seen that. Best television comedy drama, Pulling on BBC Three, which has already been cancelled. 
Best Male Comedy Newcomer, Charlie Brooker. Hurrah. For You Have Been Watching, which is his game show on E4, which has just been picked up for a second series. Best Female Comedy Newcomer, Romana Marquez for Outnumbered. She's probably one of the little girls there. Best Comedy Panel Show, Have I Got News For You. Hurrah. <laughs> Best Sitcom, Outnumbered, Series 2. Best Sketch Show, Harry and Paul, Series 2. That's Harry Enfield. We're going to be talking about him in just a moment. Best British Comedy of 2009 was Outnumbered. So, good for them. Yeah. I'll have to watch it. It's it's funny, I, I although I do sort of cringe. I used the word awful in my review, but I meant in the same... Uh, it's hard to watch, but I meant... It's the same way it's hard to watch the UK office. Because mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, oh, no, he's not saying that. Oh, really? Kind of effect. So I didn't mean it was bad to watch. I, I do like Outnumbered. The BBC has recommissioned Lee Max sitcom Not Going Out after it canceled it earlier this year. That's a second comeback this year because Primeval, of course, uh, got pulled back from the brink of live TV earlier this year. Yeah, back in March, the corporation decided that the primetime Friday night sitcom had run its course after three seasons. But now, broadcast chiefs have decided to give it another go, but in the much later 10.35 slot and midweek. Hmm. Kind of like when they dumped Doctor Who off of Coronation Street back in the late 80s. The news comes the same day that Miranda Hart, who stars is the clumsy cleaner in Not Going Out, learned that her self-titled sitcom was also being renewed by the BBC. BBC has one last episode of the last series to air of uh, Not Going Out. It's a Christmas special. It'll be transmitted at 10.45 next Wednesday. And the new series is scheduled for some time in 2010. So cool. Not Going Out is about two flatmates, basically, and mm. sort of their moonlighting-like chemistry. You know, are they going to sleep together? He obviously fancies her, but she's too posh for him. And Miranda Hart plays their housekeeper, who always seems to be underfoot and never doing any cleaning. Sitcom staple, then. Yes, but she's very funny, as we both mm-hmm. know about Miranda Hart. What's on TV this week? Again, you can go to our website and find the link for all of the Doctor Who Christmas broadcast schedules on radio and the various channels because they're just too numerous for us to mention here. So check that out if you're interested in every guest appearance that they're making in the next two weeks. On Wednesday, the annual Royal Variety Performance will be screened on ITV1. A chance to perform in front of the Queen. It's always big fun. They have all the West End shows doing medleys. And I enjoy it. It's so eclectic, but I, I really like the whole range of things they have on offer. It's not there's not a boring moment. So And then there's the receiving line and there's the you know, the Queen and mm-hmm. and everybody. It's quite nice. Wednesday on BBC One, the circus sitcom Big Top continues. And it's followed by continuing series Waterloo Road and then Spooks. Or MI five as you might know it. Also Wednesday, the rock and roll celebrity quiz show Nevermind the Buzzcocks has a decidedly Doctor Who flavor this week with David Tennant as guest hosts and panelists including Bernard Cribbins and Catherine Tate. It's at 10 p.m. on BBC Two. There is a hilarious two-minute clip where David Tennant decides to ask them Doctor Who questions rather than music-related questions and uh, Catherine Tate falls in shame to DJ Joe Wiley. It's quite funny and uh, we'll have a link to it on our show notes. because it's Well, she's a noted Doctor Who fanatic there was some mention though that they had a gala screening of the first i think it was the first two episodes of the second series and joe wiley was there but her children got too scared so she had to leave and take them out again and oh. was very disappointed but well she definitely knows more than Catherine tate but it's uh never mind the buzzcocks 
Thursday night on BBC One is Gavin and Stacey, which continues to break ratings records with each new episode. And this is the final series, so going out on a high. And that's followed by Steve Fry's quiz show QI. On Channel 4, Alan Carr, Chatty Man with Bette Midler, Johnny Vegas, and JLS. Probably some sort of singer. Must be. Friday at 9 p.m. on BBC One, Have I Got News For You, the British Comedy Award winning Have I Got News For You, guest host Bill Bailey. And it's followed by Live at the Apollo, which features stand-up comedy acts. Last week, Rob Brydon was the host and did very well in the ratings. And over on ITV1, part two of the Michelle Ryan romantic comedy vehicle, Mr. Eleven. At 10.35 on BBC One's Friday Night with Jonathan Ross, there is Hugh Grant and Eddie Izzard. Eddie sighting! More Eddie. He was on the show. They shoehorned him in just when he finished his marathons. He wasn't in any of the schedules or anything like that, but they just had to bring him on and congratulate him. He said he'd run from Piccadilly Circus to the studios and i think that is filmed at the bbc studios not the london studios which would be a shorter run but he had to keep up the running or he would balloon up apparently after getting his body in that mode of built burning so many calories every day oh. yeah what's with all these comedy actors trying to get fit you know david williams swimming across the english yeah, channel well, eddie and says he's going to do an iron man next with the swimming and the biking and the running, so... Crazy! At 47, he's decided to become a, an athlete. Yeah! On Saturday, Merlin at 5.45 on BBC One has its season finale titled The Last Dragon Lord. Cool. On Channel 4 Saturday night, there's Dover Castle, a time team special with Tony Robinson and the archaeological folks. Sunday, James May's Toy Stories returns on BBC Two, and this week tries to build a real house out of Lego. Apparently a lifelong dream for him. And Top Gear's back this week after being preempted for Snooker last Sunday, and it'll be on this Sunday at BBC Two. At 9pm Sunday night on BBC One, it's the return of Cranford, with an all-star cast including Dame Judi Dench, Imelda Staunton, Jonathan Price, Leslie Sharp, hurrah! Celia Emery, you get the idea. It's coming to PBS next year. The, the cast list is enormous. Yeah. Uh, and uh, part two will be on the following Sunday night. Every lovey in the country in it. You're pretty much. Pretty yeah. much, yes. Monday night, Tony Robinson's climate change documentary series, Man on Earth, continues on Channel 4. And over on BBC Two, it's Victoria Wood Night, beginning with Victoria Wood, seen on TV looks back at her career with clips and interviews, and then repeats of Victoria Wood with all the trimmings and an episode of Dinner Ladies. You recall that we profiled Victoria last week on the podcast. Yep, someone must have listened to it and realized they had a bunch of her tapes lying around in archives. And, and they're shamelessly promoting yeah. her Christmas special, which is coming up. <laughs> <laughs> and the Graham Norton Show on BBC One is a compilation of this year's highlights. On Tuesday, the 22nd of December... On BBC Two, Clive Anderson presents the funny side of Christmas specials with plenty of clips and reminiscences from those involved. And on BBC One, Paradox continues to bend the space-time continuum. I'm following it, and, and there is a certain format of the series. Probably the most interesting thing right now is the fact that these three police people who are privy to what's going on have been forced to sign the Official Secrets Act by the government. So they can't actually tell anybody 
that they're doing this stuff. So they keep running into other jurisdictions and stuff, and they're like, tell us what's going on. Uh, we can't. We signed the Official Secrets Act. And you get the feeling that the government types are kind of using them as human guinea pigs to see if they can actually change the future or not. Other than that, it's a lot of running around. Tuesday on Channel 4, they have Alan Carr, Chetty Man, with a Christmas special with Scylla Black, David Williams, and Justin Lee Collins. So, the Friday Night Project, Sunday Night Project's kaput now, or on hiatus? It's probably, it's on hiatus. Okay. Yeah, just not on this time of year, because they probably only do by six or seven a year, mm-hmm. as you do. So, next week's podcast, which is due out on the 22nd, we'll have a rundown of all the Christmas programming on British TV. Have your notebooks handy. On BBC America this week, Top Gear and Friday Night with Jonathan Ross run Friday nights. There's more Top Gear on Monday nights. And Saturday night begins the first of three Doctor Who Saturday nights, kicking off with a special called Doctor Who Inside the TARDIS, followed by the U.S. premiere of The Waters of Mars, which Entertainment Weekly singled out as a must-watch for the day, a 10-minute short called Doctor Who Inside Look, and then a Doctor Who-themed Graham Norton show. Most excellent. And I must admit, BBC America has pulled out all the stops. I keep getting electronic press releases from them like every day. They've got links. They've got videos. If you go to the BBC America homepage, Doctor Who's right there. They're not keeping it a secret. The fifth season of Shameless continues Friday on the Sundance Channel and on Adult Swim at 1 a.m. Sunday night. That is Monday morning, The Mighty Boosh. And I noticed this week on PBS that Lark Rise to Candleford is now in syndication and may be appearing on your local PBS station. Check local listings, as they say. We'll have a review of Lark Rise to Candleford in just a few minutes. DVD releases in the U.S. The Tudors' complete third season is out. My wife doesn't like the series because Jonathan Reese Myers is not a redhead. Ah. <laughs> in fact, there are very few redheaded Henry VIII's in uh, TV and movies. I mean, uh, Ray Winstone played him in one version I saw. Mm-hmm. So. And the uh, complete Sherlock Holmes collection from A&E Home Video features Peter Cushing as Holmes in a series of 1960s BBC adaptations. Wow. No doubt trying to cash in on the Robert Downey Jr. movie coming out on Christmas. Collision, recently seen on Masterpiece Contemporary, is now yours to own on DVD. And season box sets of Lovejoy with E. McShane are now available. So, we're going to review Lark Rise to Candleford. Have you watched these? No, I haven't. Well, see if this is something that appeals to you. These are adaptations of Flora Thompson's autobiographical novel, Lark Rise to Candleford. It's set in 19th century Oxfordshire, in which a young girl moves from the little village that she's in, which is definitely kind of pre-industrial, to the local market town to begin apprenticeship as the postmistress. 
to the postmistress played by Julia Sawala. Mm -hmm. And so it's the contrast between old village England and the new modern towns that were coming up. And obviously the, the burgeoning middle class that was being created by that. I just wanted to know why you're being so cagey. Cagey? I ain't being cagey. Oh, because the way I see it, either there's something wrong with me or, or you've got another fellow waiting for you back in your class. Philip, there ain't nothing like that. I just don't think my pa thinks that I'm old enough to be walking out with a young man. You're 16. Here, you, young lady. I don't think Paris quite got the grasp of that yet. Well, it's about time he did. Laurie, you've got to tell him. Is it a lot right you're ashamed of? Is that Never. It? I'll tell you what, Philip. Candreford might have fine things, but you'll never meet more laborly, kinder people than the folk of Larkrise. Oh, I have an interest in it. It's just my... I have two jobs, so oh, okay. <laughs> it's the time allotment here, and I, I like reading an awful lot, too, so I get... I kind of have a stack of stuff I will watch someday, you know? Well, it's got some familiar stars in it. Mark Heap mm -hmm. from Spaced and Green Wing, and Julie Sawala, who played Safi from Absolutely Fabulous. Sophia Miles and Don French were among the stars that regularly populated the series. And Victoria Hamilton, too. She's somebody who um, starred with Eddie Azard in the West End and then in, Bro in Broadway in the early part of the aughties. And both were nominated for Tony Awards. And she was in a play I saw with Jane Horrocks last time I was in the UK. And so I like, like seeing her on television more often. She's one I, I always watch out for. So this is kind of the, you know, Sunday night family dramas the BBC likes to slot in there. And I like these kind of shows. They aren't for everybody. I mean, if you want, you know, action and suspense like Spooks or, or Paradox, this is not the show for you. But if you enjoyed The Waltons and Little House on the Prairie and can appreciate, you know, first-rate BBC costume drama, it's a good show. It's sentimental, but it's uplifting. And I like these kind of programs. Uh, Bill Gallagher is one of the principal writers of the series. Uh, he recently did the remake of The Prisoner, but don't hold that against him. So, Lark Rise to Candleford. I suggest you check it out if you like those kind of programs. It, it is kind of what you think of when you think of, you know, BBC programming on PBS in a way. But it's, uh, it's made for modern audiences, and I think it's quite watchable. So check that out. Check your local listings to see if your PBS station is running it now. So our feature this week is on Harry Enfield. Well, was it the first or the second series he's been doing with Paul where they were they're sort of playing Russian Soviet leaders being cheered by a huge oh, crowd. Oh, the, the credit sequence for Harry and yes. Paul. <laughs> with just the stone faces there and moving very slowly. They do it very well. It's very funny. In preparation for this, I pulled out some of my 20-year-old tapes. And uh, I look at them and I go, wow, he's so young looking. Mm -hmm. 
Because the funny thing is, Harry Enfield and I are the exact same age. And in a lot of ways, he's, he's the, the, the picture in the attic that's kind of going old. Not that I am young and, and cute as I was in my 20s, but boy, he's, he's kind of looking old. He's looking like an old man there. We're both having a battle to see whose uh, hairline will disappear the fastest. Harry Enfield at one time was a household name in Britain, and uh, his exposure to the United States these days is mostly through the voiceovers he does as the roaming gnome and the ads for Travelocity. His mockumentary Nor Norbert Smith, A Life, was shown on PBS in the late 90s, as was his sketch comedy series Harry Enfield and Chums, which showed on BBC America about 10 years ago. And most recently, he's been on Skins, which BBC America has shown. But who is Harry Enfield and what is he famous for? He says about himself in the 1997 book Harry Enfield and His Humorous Chums, which is a collection of sketches and autobiographical anecdotes, quote, I'm a character comedian, best known for, as the people I play, least known as myself. And like Steve Coogan that we talked about a few weeks back, he mm -hmm. was doing voices on Spitting Image in the mid-80s. And then in 1988 on Channel 4 Saturday Live, he introduced a character that instantly swept the consciousness of the nation, loads of money. Loads of money! Go, you look grubble for my money! Look at them all grubbing in for my money! Go on, grubble up, grubble up, grubble up! Liverpool goalkeeper, innit? <laughs> loads of money! Right, shut your mouth! Right? This programme, Friday Night Live, is rubbish! <laughs> only, only good thing on it! They want to get some more plasterers on, like me, and get rid of all this pop music and jokes and politics and that. I mean, the politics, right? All you need to know about politics is that Mrs. Thatcher done a lot of good for the country, but you wouldn't want to shag it. That's all. <laughs> so, right, shut your face. Right, so what we do, right, I reckon if I was producer of the programme, I'd get rid of all the political acts, Ponzi stuff, and I'd get something good on, like, uh, naked birds all wrestling in mud. Yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? And blokes, you know, doing it with them, like, uh, like me, I think, yeah, in all honesty, me, all doing it with them in mud. Loads of money. Loads of money. That's how he said it, right? I oh, yeah. remember him. Many saw loads as symbolic of the get-rich-thatcher years, boasting about a success and the heck with everybody else. And even though the character only appeared a few minutes at a time, he became hugely popular, and so much so that Harry Enfield killed him off a year later. He was worried he'd be typecast, mm -hmm. which is actually probably a smart move. In fact, any of his characters, they get a little too popular, like Smashy and Icy and Kevin. Mm -hmm. He likes to give them a certain time and then... Put them out to pasture. That's probably what's going to keep Sasha Baron Cohen uh, going too, is he did not overstay his welcome with Ali G. He created Borat and then uh, Bruno. Bruno, and I'm sure he's got more things in the works. So after loads of money, he got commissioned by Channel 4 to do a mockumentary about a very lovey British actor who had been retired, his name is Norbert Smith, and Norbert Smith, a life. So Harry donned old age makeup. He's supposed to be an 80-year-old. He's interviewed by Melvin Bragg, who does the South Bank show. And there's an excuse to show clips of Norbert Smith's career in the mm -hmm. movies. And, of course, all his movies are terrible, but, of course, allows them to do parodies of old movie styles, you know, early British comedies that are almost like vaudeville. 
Then he goes to Hollywood, makes glossy Technicolor movies, comes back to England, makes 50s kitchen sink dramas. And then as he's getting too old, appearing in, you know, World War II, we're battling the Nazis kind of movies where he's mostly drinking all the time. And then in the, quote, modern time, he's a befuddled, senile old guy who barely remembers his own career. So it's a parody of those kind of uh, uh, retrospective documentaries. And it was very clever. After the war, Sir Norbert was to direct and star in a revolutionary series of Shakespearean plays and films, most notably Hamlet, which he adapted in collaboration with Nell Coward. My Lord Hamlet, Horatio, why do you forget myself the very same? Tell me, my Lord, how was Denmark? A very rank Denmark, I rather thought it might be. Tell me what else is new. I'm longing to catch up on all the gossip. Well, my liege. Last night I saw the king, your father. How is my father? Very dead, your father. How was his ghost? Very white. Will he appear again tonight? I rather think he might. How very tedious. Still, I do so love the battlements by moonlight. Yes, they're rather grand, the battlements by moonlight, aren't they? Yes, like a biscuit box. How are you, my liege? Very melancholy, me. How very tedious. I rather hope you won't soliloquize. I do so detest soliloquies. They're like precocious children, always demanding one's attention, yet they've rarely anything to say. Uh, to be or not to be, that, my dear, is the question. I rather feared it might be. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against the sea of troubles, and by opposing anyone, to die to sleep. Cigarette? Thank you. There's the rub. Because one of the things that Harry Enfield really likes is... Uh, he's fascinated by old movies and the style of old films. Oh, he can do them beautifully, too. Yeah, he captures them very well and lovingly recreated for these things and his uh, TV shows as well. As a straight actor, he appeared in 1991's ITV comedy drama Gone to the Dogs, playing Jim Broadbent's son and acting alongside Warren Clark and Alison Stedman. And frankly, he was kind of the weak link there. Mm. I know he was trying to expand his repertoire and be an actor and just wasn't very interesting on camera. And they did a sequel series, Gone to Seed, with the same main actors, but he was not in it. And he was also in the original first season of Men Behaving Badly when it was an ITV playing Martin Clunes' flatmate. And the show basically was not successful. It was very flat. I, I recently saw some of them. It did not have the liveliness and the, the joy of the... So yeah, ITV cancelled it, and the BBC says, well, there's something to hear. So BBC picked it up from ITV, got rid of Harry Anfield, brought in Neil Morrissey, and it became one of their biggest hits of the 1990s. Well, Neil and Martin are, are great, great friends, too. I have no idea if Harry and Martin were, but... Oh, yeah, they're... because uh, uh, Martin Clunes would appear in Harry's uh, sketch shows. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, so they're obviously buddies. It wasn't really the acting life for him. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the flatmate that failed on Men Behaving Badly. Because, again, it was a huge success for the BBC. And probably one of the reasons that they don't cancel Simon Nye's series quite as early as they should, because they're like, we don't want to do another Men Behaving Badly. You know, what if, what if in the second season the show really takes off? Although I think my favorite Simon Nye series in the last 10 years was probably the Don French, Catherine Tate one. Wild Wild West? Yeah. Wild West, yeah. Where they kind of sort of played lesbians, but not. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So Harry's first sketch comedy series for the BBC was simply titled Harry Enfield's Television Program and also starred Kathy Burke and Paul Whitehouse. Paul and Harry wrote a lot of the material. Yeah, Paul later went on to great success in The Fast Show, which he claimed was cre- created because they were having the press launch for Harry Enfield and Chums, and they basically cut together sketches. So it was just joke, 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 without all the setup parts. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a trailer for the press. And he sat back and thought, hey, we could do a whole show like that, where it's just the gags with no setup. And that's what became The Fast Show. So in a way, uh, Harry Enfield kind of created a monster because I think arguably Paul Whitehouse became a bigger star than he was. But they have remained pals uh, again in the last couple of years. There has been Harry and Paul. Yep. Or Bloody Al, it's Harry and Paul, as the second series was called. And they're back doing the sketch comedy thing. He's very accessible comedian, really. Yeah. Nothing nasty. Often very clever. Nothing too dumb, just, well... Kevin the Teenager, maybe, but... Well, Kevin the Teenager was was quite a success for him. Mm -hmm. It was originally started on Harry and Phil and Chums. And in the very first episode, he plays a very nice, polite 13-year-old. And suddenly it's his birthday, and he transforms before their (laughs) eyes. Kevin! (laughs) Can you come down here, please? God's sake. (laughs) What? Kevin, where the hell have you been? What? It is two o'clock in the afternoon, darling. We have been really worried about you. You are so sick-makingly pathetic. It is not pathetic. Kevin, we haven't heard a thing from you since yesterday tea time. Where did you stay last night? I went to Perry's, didn't I? Well, you didn't stay at Perry's. I spoke to his mum. I didn't say I stayed there. I said I went there. Well, Perry's mum didn't see you all evening. I didn't go into Perry's. I went there. Perry saw me coming and came out. So that is why his bloody mum didn't see me. Harry and Phil claims that it was exactly the way that he dealt with his dad, who actually was a uh, famous broadcaster, Mm -hmm. Edward Enfield. Kevin's best friend was... Perry, which was played by Kathy Burke and Drag. Oh, Mr. Jackson. Good morning. How are you? Ah, uh, Perry. Hello, Miss Perry. Good morning. How are you? Sort of thing. Afternoon, Perry. Have a good night last night? Yes, please, Miss Patterson. Please, thank you. Where'd you stay? My ass. Oh, your parents rang and said you didn't. Oh, I forgot. Pete's. Oh, you stayed at Pete's. Yes. No. Yes or no. I like your dress, Mrs. Patterson, is it good? Dave's! We stayed at Dave's! Oh, you did, did you? Yeah. I forgot Dave wasn't Pete. Oh. Kathy Burke, she, she has no ego at all. She will make herself look absolutely grotesque if it's good for a laugh. And Harry Enfield thought that the teenagers would be offended by this. And instead they were like, no, no, we love Kevin. He thinks he's great. They didn't see themselves in the character. Although all the parents would say, my son is exactly like that. Mm-hmm. And he actually ended up making a movie. Yep. I'm going large, right? Kevin and Perry yeah, go large. Yeah, I haven't lose, seen it. but They're I'm... trying to lose their virginity. Paramount bought the movie 
And I suspect they did so because they thought it might be infringing on their Wayne's World franchise, which was going out at the time. Because mm-hmm. pretty much you had a guy in his 30s playing a teenager by wearing a long-haired wig under a baseball cap. Ah. <laughs> so some similarities to Michael Myers there. It was a fun thing, and he had a lot of fun playing that character. So like I say, we were talking about uh, how Harry Enfield loves old movies and stuff, and one of his uh, running sketches is the instru- black and white instructional films hosted by Mr. Chumley Warner. And these actually were so popular they spawned a whole series of ads for Mercury telephones. But my favorite Mr. Chumley Warner is Women Know Your Limits. <laughs> An ordinary dinner party, the sort of occasion we all enjoy. The men are exchanging witty stories. And look at the women, aren't they pretty? Look at the way they laugh, they're delightful. But now the conversation turns to more serious matters. I wonder if the government should return to the gold standard. I think it should. Good, then we're all agreed. But oh dear, what's this? One of the women is about to embarrass us all. I think the government should stay off the gold standard so that the pound can reach a level that would keep our exports competitive. The lady has foolishly attempted to join the conversation with a wild and dangerous opinion of her own. What half-baked drivel. See how the men look at her with utter contempt. There they were going home. <gasps> women, know your limits. Look at the effect of education on a man and a woman's mind. Education passes into the mind of a man. See how the information is evenly and tidily stored. Now see the same thing on a woman. At first we see a similar result. But now look, still at a reasonably low level of education, her brain suddenly overloads. She cannot take in complicated information. She becomes frantically and absurdly deranged. Look at these venomous halidons. They went to university. Hard to believe they're all under 25. Yes, over-education leads to ugliness, premature aging, and beard growth. <laughs> now let's see the proper way. Good. So we're all agreed. We should return to the gold standard. Oh, I don't know anything about the gold standard, I'm afraid, but I do love little kittens. <laughs> they're so soft and furry. What a delightful thought, you dear, sweet, fragile little thing. (laughs) Women, know your limits. In thought, be plain and simple, and let your natural sweetness shine through. So that is a satire. He's not being serious there. It's just that it's very much in the style of the way these public information films were done with everybody talking with received pronunciation accents. So in 1998, he did another spoof documentary, this time about politicians who changed their stripes, called Norman Ormel, A Very Political Turtle. And he was also appearing in Ian Hislop's Sermon from St. Albion's, where he played not only the vicar, Tony Blair, but all the members of his cabinet. The joke comes when Tony Blair took office and he showed up at Downing Street with a guitar and Ian Hislop said, trendy vicar. Mm -hmm. And that just immediately gave him the idea to do this. So it was a column in uh, Private Eye and then manifested itself on television. They would record these on Friday nights and it would go out on Sundays, a little 10 minutes on ITV. 
Season's greetings, everyone. Season's greetings, Tony. Happy holiday. And a happy holiday to you too, Tony. Although, I must say, whoever put the picture of Mr Mandelson on top of the tree should be ashamed of themselves. Now, we've all heard the traditional Christmas story hundreds of times, so that's why I've decided we're going to do a completely new version, making the story more vibrant and relevant to the world today. After all, the angel brought good news to everyone, not good elves. <laughs> boom, boom. And if anyone isn't sure what they should be doing, our director, Mr Mandelson, will be there to tell you. Just getting little digs in there to the then new government of Tony Blair and the Labour Party. So I found something interesting in watching a lot of old interviews is that in 1999, Harry Enfield was named the 33rd best looking man in Britain by Cosmopolitan magazine. And he rejoiced in this for quite a while. In fact, that Leonardo DiCaprio after Titanic was 35th. Mm-hmm. But then his wife brought him down to earth when a column criticizing the article said that saying that Harry Enfield is the 33rd best looking man is like saying that Pam Ayers is the 33rd best looking woman in England. Huh? Oh, dear. So after a short break from television, Enfield signed a contract with B Sky B, the satellite channel, but he only produced one series of his sketch series, and it wasn't very good. Did you see it? Mm -mm. Yeah, it really kind of missed the mark. So in 2002, he returned to the BBC with Celeb, which was a new series that was based on the comic strip of the same name from Private Eye, where he played aging rock star Gary Bloke. Alas, it was no competition for the real thing that arrived at the same time in the form of the Osbournes. I did see an episode of that. It wasn't his best work at all. It wasn't. And the Osbournes was the real thing. Mm. Sorry, Harry. Uh, since then, in 2007, he played Jim Stoneham in the Channel 4 series Skims. And he's reprised this role in the second series in 2008 and the third series this year. And he's also directed some of the episodes as well, which has been shown on BBC America. Well done. Yes. So I say his current comedy series is Harry and Paul. It started in 2007 and had a second season in 2008. And the third season is planned for BBC Two. I like the sketch where he goes in to get an espresso every day. And these two Russian women are the baristas. And they kind of mutter to each other. And he's obviously kind of fancies one of the girls, but he doesn't have the nerve to ask her out. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of a long running joke there. Like I said, you mentioned last week that Harry uh, appeared in Burger Kings as Mr. Angus. Yeah, he, would, he did some Burger King ads too a few years ago. And now he is doing commercials for Travelocity as a roaming gnome. I saw a story that he told on Parkinson about 10 years ago where John Hughes got interested in him all of a sudden and flew him out to Chicago and put him up in a hotel for five days. And then they flew him out to L.A. And uh, he said, we we'll have to meet with the director first. And suddenly they said... He's not here anymore. You need to go back to your country. And they drove him back to the airport in a pickup truck. (laughs) (laughs) So his career in Hollywood was not to be. Mm -hmm. But when he sticks to what he's doing, which is the sketch comedy stuff, Harry Enfield uh, is very good. He obviously is is the man of a thousand voices and a thousand characters and comes with quite a few. And I suspect he's a Doctor Who fan too, because he had a character called Tory Boy. And he'd always say that under the conservatives, we had Cybermen. And then he said, well, under, under labor, we had Daleks. Aww. So 
some good jokes there. So next week, in honor of the Doctor Who special featuring the return of the master, we're going to look at the career of John Sim. Oh, I can talk about him for ages. I've seen loads of his old stuff. We've got plenty of tape, so be ready with your stories. We'll have lots of clips from him. I'm really interested to talk about the lakes mm-hmm. and life on Mars and some of his TV movies that he's done. Yeah, he's done a lot. Yes. And State of Play, my favorite. I haven't seen State of Play. I know it's shameful. Oh, you got to see State of Play. I think it's because I didn't get to see the first episode. I didn't want to jump in the middle of it. So next week, John Sim. There's still a little bit of time left to vote for Britain's best naughties comedy. What is your favorite comedy of the last 10 years? And in two weeks, Chrissy and I will duke it out. <laughs> Let's see which one we declare is the best of the decade. And then you never need to hear about this again until 2020. Meanwhile, you can go to our website, BritishTVPodcast.com, where you can find links to news items, show notes, What's on TV this week? You can read about us, and you can send us feedback at feedback at BritishTVPodcast.com. So visit our site. So we're almost at Christmas. It's very exciting. And uh, we're looking forward to next week and the preview, Christmas preview. Yep, for us, it's the roasted turkey and the presents and the mistletoe that's nothing we we want the television (laughs) give us tv give us tv so that'll be next week so anything else nothing else okay well thanks for listening we'll see you next week bye-bye goodbye